Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are not just the God who gives orders, but you are the God who explains things to his friends. And we pray that you will treat us as friends and by your Holy Spirit explain the Bible to us. And we pray that you would please have mercy on us because we don't listen. And so we pray that you will give us the ears that we need to hear. And so we pray that this evening the things you tell us will live long and take deep root in our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 28. After we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and it was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one one another, No doubt, this man was a murderer. Though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. And they were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds. They said he was a god. Now, in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the, the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospita- hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery, and Paul visited him and prayed and putting his hand on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly. And when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. After three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria, with the twin gods as a figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed for three days. And from there, we made a circuit and arrived at Regium. And after one day, a south wind sprang up. And on the second day, we came to Puteoli, There we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome. And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the Forum of Appius and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when he came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews, and when they'd gathered, he said to them, Brothers, 
Though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. But when they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and to speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. And they said to him, We receive no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken evil about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are, for with regard to this sect, we know that everyone, everywhere is speaking against it. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in great numbers. From morning till evening he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God, and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. <coughs> the Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can hardly hear, and their eyes have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. I'm going to stop there and uh, the children are going to leave for their classes. We'll resume just a minute or so's time. Where we uh, are child free at the moment, I think. And let me therefore ask you a little simple question. How would you finish that sentence? If you're looking back on this life after this life, what would you wish you had done? Now that's an interesting question because uh, you might wake up to your surprise but you wake up and what you see when you wake up after this life is you see King Jesus and you see how glorious his kingdom is and you see how full of joy and security his people are and you look at the sadness 
uh, of those who are excluded from the kingdom and you recognize some family and friends and as you wake up to that reality how will you wish you'd spent this life and responded to him will you say I wish I'd got more qualifications more money better job would you say I wish I'd lost weight gone to the gym more would you say I wish I'd traveled what would you say when you get to the end and you want to achieve something important with your life well that's the question that uh, the whole book of Acts is written to answer especially Acts 28 but to give you the full roundup because we're finishing today and so therefore it's good to see how the end fits with the beginning you might just say that in the very beginning of Acts in Acts chapter 28 there is a prediction there is a prediction from Jesus who is king and he will say to his disciples this is how the world will shape up from now on people we hear about King Jesus in Jerusalem where the Jewish people lived and in chapter, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 1 verse 8 just turn back if you want to remind yourself refresh the memory and he will you will see there that he says that they will go to Jerusalem where the Jewish people lived they go to Samaria where the half Jewish people live and they go to the ends of the earth which is where no Jewish or the non-Jewish people live called Gentiles and so the story of Acts begins in Jerusalem which is the city of the Jews and ends in Rome Acts chapter 28 which is the city of the Gentiles and they call it the Acts of the Apostles because mainly it's about two Apostles and what they did Peter first then Paul but really if you look at the first page of Acts you will see it's actually the Acts of Jesus now Jesus came and he lived as a man and how he lived was all written up in a book the book was written by the same person who wrote this book but his book is called Luke he's the one who wrote it but what Luke is telling us is that one book wasn't enough if you look at Acts chapter 1 verse 1 he says in the first book I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach the thing is that Jesus didn't stop did he so now Luke's got to write another book tells us what Jesus continued to do but it, these are the acts of Jesus and they are what he achieved and he achieved what he said he was going to achieve if you read the book of Acts it's like a river flowing down the mountain you see there are certain obstacles in the way but just the kingdom of Jesus keeps flowing over it keeps going right there's due to go and therefore if we are to understand that that is the case and that is where we're going and in the end we're wondering how to live our lives in a way that counts I want to suggest that we know we should remember three things that we should understand three things from the book of Acts and especially from Acts chapter 28 and the three headings are there on your notes 
the first thing to understand is that Jesus is King. Now, you might just notice right at the very beginning of the Acts, chapter 1, verse 3, and Jesus is speaking about the kingdom of God. You then turn to the last book and the last verse, Acts chapter 28, verse 31, and there is Paul proclaiming the kingdom of God. Now in Acts chapter 1 verse 6 the disciples say so is the kingdom going to be now and Jesus says no I'm not going to tell you when the kingdom will come in full but I will talk to you like a king I will tell you what you are going to do I will tell you what's going to happen the gospel will go from here to there to there Jesus is king and so therefore when Paul finally gets to Rome as um, Rob helpfully showed us he was his ship was broken up at Malta he was washed up on the beach finally he travels by ship most of the way he's come from Jerusalem is by ship but they drop him off in verse 13 in this uh, town of Puteoli or however you pronounce it I'm not Italian but after that he has a 140 mile walk to Rome and I take it he's in his mid-50s or late-50s but just after three days to recover what does he do in Acts chapter 28 and verse 23 he calls the Jewish elders together and he starts talking to them about the kingdom of God when he appointed a day for them they came to his lodging for morning till evening he expounded them testifying to the kingdom of God but we've got to be careful here and this is a really really important lesson to remember whenever you hear this word the kingdom of God what does it mean now it's very easy when you hear the word to imagine what Paul, what uh, Rob was showing us in the first slide which is a king with his sword sitting back on a throne looking almighty and powerful and therefore when Christians hear the word that Jesus is king it might give us the impression that what that the effect that that's meant to have on us is that we salute smartly and do exactly what he tells us to do okay full-on obedience because Jesus is king now Jesus is king full-on obedience is good but actually when you look at the Bible you get a different picture of what it means to treat Jesus as king because it's not a kingdom like any other kingdom it's a kingdom like chapter 28 verse 23 tells us is a kingdom that's been testified from the law of Moses and the prophets now here's the thing Moses said that there would be a leader that would come after him that was much greater than Moses himself great man though he was and when the prophet Samuel said right now you're going to get a king he told us what the king's job would be so in 1 Samuel chapter 9 verse 16 uh, I'll read it to you if you don't want to uh, snake your way back uh, into the Old Testament part of the Bible 
but uh, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 16 Samuel the great prophet says tomorrow about this time I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin and you shall anoint him to be prince over my people Israel here's his job listening he shall save my people from the hand of the Philistines so the reason why Israel gets a king is not they're going to a flat spin and look at what they're doing wrong and how they can obey him the reason Israel is given a king is to protect them to keep them safe from their enemies in this case the Philistines so it happens that the king that they met the next day his name was Saul and he wasn't such a great king but the king after him was a king called David and he did keep his people safe from their enemies he did that all the time and in the end they just wouldn't come near him anymore now the Bible told us the Lord the prophet told us that there would be such a great king who will come and keep his people safe from his enemies but what the prophets and Moses said about this future king well that prophecy was a few sizes too big for David to fill and David, well, he was a king, but he was a small version of the king. He ruled over one land and kept the enemies safe from it. But Acts introduced us to King Jesus, who you can see as the book goes out, is the king over many lands. And he is the one who keeps his people safe. David kept his people safe from his enemies the Philistines Jesus when he came as we sang in the children's song kept his people safe from the devil from disease and from death the three greatest enemies of man far far greater king but that is the role of the king that the law and the prophets tell us about. It is to protect and to keep God's people safe. And therefore, if you're a Christian and you regard yourselves in the kingdom of Jesus, then the primary way you think of King Jesus is not with abject terror that you must uh, do everything to uh, ingratiate and, 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 and uh, uh, submit, but that you see him as the one who keeps you safe the one in whom your security is the one who protects us from the greatest enemies as he brings his kingdom in and uh, shows us what it's like in the future look to Jesus the way an Israelite would look to King David and you've got an idea on how to respond to this king in his kingdom okay Jesus is king now you uh, saw me getting carried away so I didn't give you uh, the whole idea but that's what the book of Acts is about and 
that great kingdom is just giving us a little bit of a preview in the life of King David. But the crown of Jesus is bigger than the reign of King David. Note that as we go on to the next thing, which is that Jesus makes servants. The reason why Christians regard themselves as servants of Jesus is not because we are somehow um, wanting to think of ourselves uh, as uh, completely without worth um, in the eyes of the one who made us. The reason the Christians are servants is because our king is a servant and he draws people not to be little kings but to be little servants to be like him. And that's what you see in Acts chapter 28 at the very beginning. You see uh, the servant, Paul. Everybody else has been washed up on the beach, recovering. And the locals are feeling very kindly and they make a fire. And Paul won't sit on the beach. He picks up the sticks to build the fire. See that in chapter 28 verse 3. And then when that is done and he hears about the official's father being unwell, he goes and is a servant to him and heals him. And we mustn't think that Paul is only someone who um, impresses uh, the important why everybody comes to Paul and he serves them. That is the mark of someone who understands the king, who enjoys his favor. Now, the interesting thing is that the world, when it wants to see if someone's close to God or not and has God's favor or not, what they use is what I'm going to describe as the serpent test. In other words, what happens here is that um, if things go well, then God must be for you, and if things go badly, then things, God must be against you. That's the serpent test. That's how people thought when they looked at Paul and the serpent. The serpent bit Paul, and so they're saying, well, there you are. Proof positive, he's a murderer. God is not going to let someone like that escape the sea. Well, he escapes the sea, but he's not going to escape. But then, nothing happens. So what does that must mean? But it means if a miracle like that has happened and he is invincible to his serpents that would kill anybody else, but then must be God, mustn't he? You see how it is? Whether God's on your side or not entirely depends on how well you're doing. If you're doing well, well, that shows you that God's definitely got his favor on you. And that's exactly how the world still thinks. Debbie and I went on a holiday to Sri Lanka. We were fortunate to, to have a wonderful driver who took us around and showed us places. And then he said something very interesting to us after he got to know us a little bit. He said, uh, I can see you're very good people. Um, given that I'm sure Debbie and I had had about seven fights in the back seat by then, I can't remember why he would say that. But anyway, when I asked him what made him uh, make that comment, he said, well, you obviously have a comfortable life. You must have done good. 
and therefore you are being rewarded because you have this lovely holiday and you actually are quite close to each other and you have a good life and therefore this is your reward for the way you have been good in the past it's a buddhist country it was a buddhist driver and that's how he thought but it's nothing more than the serpent test now this is going well so god must be with you christians have that it's not just the buddhists that have the monopoly on that christians think that way as well so if it's prosperity and you are a prosperous person well then god is for you isn't he and if you're broke well we quite don't quite know what you've done but you must have done something awful that's how it works that is the serpent test but what paul introduces us to is the servant test and so off he is healing the official's father creating conditions for the rest of his ship's company to get warmth looking after as many in the island as he possibly can and the person who is a real follower of Jesus the one on whom the favor of Jesus rests is the one who delights to be a servant not because we are somehow uh subordinate and submissive to our master but because we see this is how we can be like our master and that's why it's a travesty to read what the jewish people say in acts chapter 28 verse 22 that this sect in other words christians are spoken against everywhere how could you speak against largely people who are were well, certainly in Paul's day they were the most compassionate people at that time they did everything that they could for others you read through the book of acts and you will find a person called Dorcas who's made loads of clothes for other people you will read of people like Barnabas who would even sell his land to serve those who didn't have any uh uh provisions and to care for them right from the very beginning this is how the christian community lived with each other they cared for each other in every way they could there was not one person in need so it says even paul was someone who would work with his own hands to provide for his team How could you look at a group of people who are honorable in the world's measure in every single way and say these people are rubbish this sect is spoken against everywhere and that's how Christians are still seen by the majority of people in the every community would uh, lack a great deal of kindness if the Christians were just simply sucked out of there and sent somewhere else and the greatest servant work is to explain Jesus to others and that's what Paul does to Jewish leaders and you can read it here and you think well of course he will that's his job but the surprise when you get to chapter 28 and read it is that he's gone to these leaders again and again in every time he's gone to and they've rejected him so you would expect him to say right that's it I'm done with Jewish leaders I'm giving up on them but here without any resentment 
he once again is explaining about Jesus and urging them to come into the safety of the ultimate kingdom of King David which is what their law and their prophets have been pointing to a great servant but not just of the sick a servant of someone who speaks the gospel to others that they might be uh, defended against the greatest enemies by the greatest king that is uh, the one who wears the Jesus badge not the one who happens to be going up or down in life don't get the reading from there and then lastly Jesus makes enemies and you see that in Acts chapter 28 verse 24 here are people some were convinced by what he said but others disbelieved if you read the original it really shows that it is determined disbelief it's not just a, where some said this and others said that no these are people who really resolutely turned away but here's the thing as you read that they have resolutely turned away and they leave Paul actually tells them do you realize you are doing this because God has made you his enemies and then he quotes them the prophet Isaiah who in Isaiah chapter 6 said go to this people and say you hear but you never understand you see but never perceive because their hearts have grown dull their ears can barely hear their eyes are closed why because God is the one who is responsible lest they should see with their eyes hear with their ears understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them now it's astonishing isn't it that we should read that their response is actually God controlled their response has always been to reject him and so Isaiah said it and actually what John the Baptist says is quoting Isaiah when he describes how people reacted to him and Jesus in Mark chapter 4 and verse 11 and 12 uh, I'll need you to change your notes in a, in a little while uh, he said this is what Isaiah said and it's proving true in my day so people are always like this it's not just a little blip Isaiah, John, Jesus, Paul it's always proving true that Isaiah says God has shut down the ears and the eyes now you could at that point make a very proud response and say in that case it's not my fault if I'm not believing it's because God has made me his enemy and that's the reason why I'm not able to listen or understand anything you could go the proud way and think that way but the humble way is for the listener to fear God and say God please let this not be me please would you have mercy on me give me ears give me eyes give me a heart that will respond to you because otherwise I will sit here and I will sit here week after week after week and I will take in nothing and nothing in my life will change unless you God have great mercy on me and let it not be like this for me 
And so our concern is to ask God to lift his judgments so that we aren't going to respond in the same way. And then when we respond to God and begin to understand him and then help others to understand him, we need to recognize that there is going to be a Teflon response that people will hear and they won't understand that people will see it'll make sense but it won't perceive be perceived at any depth and so the gospel ministry that we want to bring to others will be rejected unless God has great mercy now we need to understand that because I think even now after being a Christian for a few years I still think the Christian life is going to be easier than it turns out to be I just think the gospel is so clear so easy to understand a child would receive it and our children behind me will be understanding it without any difficulty at all And I just expect me to go and explain to people about Jesus and they will say, yes, I fully understand. I want to follow him now. And I need to remember that actually it's much more like running the Olympics. It's, it's not a question of you get your medal and then everybody's looking up to you. It is that you've got to put in the sweat and the hard graft. The medal comes at the end but we work hard every step of the way because the gospel is rejected every step of the way so what do we want to learn from that that in the end we need to ask Jesus to open up the eyes to create the hearing to allow the heart to respond because otherwise we are going to be sitting there in the same position as the people who heard Paul all those years ago. What does that mean for us today? Well, if you're not yet a Christian, may I suggest that this is a picture that might be helpful for you. Think of becoming a Christian as coming into a kingdom where one day the great king of the Bible will draw you into the safety of his kingdom and keep you and defeat for you the great enemies of sin, of suffering, of the devil and death and disease. And the great king who will do that for the whole of eternity as you come into the safety and the security of his kingdom. The invitation is there for you tonight. Please don't hear and leave it the second message I think is to understand that when Paul talks to people who cannot hear he is talking to church people in fact whenever Isaiah the prophet is explained that people will hear and not understand it is always church people that are the audience not the outsider. 
And let me tell you, when Jesus explained about Isaiah, he was doing it in the context of talking about four soils. I wonder if you could just uh, keep a finger in Acts, 8, uh, Acts 28 and go to Mark 4. Please, will you change Mark 8 to Mark 4 in your notes? Okay, Mark chapter 4, and you will see how Jesus explains the prophet Isaiah controls the response or explains how God controls the response in Mark chapter 4 and verses 11 and 12. He tells the disciples, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom, but for those outside, everything is in parables so they may indeed see, but not perceive. Indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. All the people listen to Jesus, telling them about the parables, all part of Israel. And this prophet, Isaiah's words, apply to so-called God's people. Now how do you know whether it's like that with you? Well, read on and read verses, uh, I think, 18 and 19. Because soil number three is where people do not bear fruit, do not help other people to become Christians, probably don't want to help other people to become Christians, because in the end, what's gripping them in verses 18 and 19 is, uh, uh, in verse 19 especially, are the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things. And therefore, the person in the church who is sitting there and hearing but not understanding is the one who's got desires for other things, including babies, Abigail. Um, and we get distracted. And in the end, the thing that really grips us is what we can get in this life. The money. Uh, the latest uh, thing that uh, is going to be of excitement to us. And when you see people like that, who are part of congregations, but really in the end, whose heart is fixed on other things, and they will sit there every Sunday, and they will hear truth every Sunday, and the heart will be locked every Sunday because every Sunday they sit under the judgment of God even though they come to church and therefore the wise thing to do is to pray God please I am in that danger myself I go to church and this could be me please will you open my heart to respond to take what you say and indeed to make it known to others because that I think is where we go if we're believers and that is to take the gospel of King Jesus to every single place where he is king and that's what Paul did and he gets to Rome and we get to the end of the Acts of the Apostles. But here's the thing. We don't get to the end of the Acts of Christians. 
who take the message out beyond and go uh, into the places where Paul himself didn't go. And in the end, Britain was one of them. Why? Because Jesus is king. And because chapter 28, verse 31 is true. That we can proclaim the kingdom of Jesus and teach about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness because the gospel will always spread without hindrance because Jesus is king and therefore he will always bring people who will respond to him as king and in the end be gathered into the safety of his kingdom under his protection as king Acts of the Apostles is over Acts of the Christians in Beckentree continues and we go in the same direction of the Acts of the Apostles Jerusalem, Samaria keep going where Jesus isn't heard let's have a moment where we stop where we pray maybe you want to ask God to open your heart so that Isaiah isn't true for you and then pray that God will help us to bear fruit for him. Just a minute, pray quietly and for yourself and by yourself. But let me pray and then we'll take questions um, and comments. Our Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that you are the king who comes to reign over to protect and serve your people. Thank you for the way that uh, King David gave us a preview of that. Thank you for the Lord Jesus and for his demonstration of his protection and power on behalf of your people when he was here living amongst us. Thank you for the promise that one day he will finally defeat every enemy and put Satan under his feet. And we pray that you would please help us, Father, to be those who value and savour the safety of their kingdom. And we pray that you would please make us those who see it as a badge of honour to wear the badge of a servant. And we pray that you would please help us to continue persevering, taking the gospel, even into areas where hearts have been hardened, praying for your mercy that there might be new eyes and new years so we pray that you would please Father use us in the extension of your kingdom in this place and for the great glory of your name Amen